Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season six, episode five of The Vampire Diaries, which is called The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. This was quite an episode on many fronts. I mean, what a roller coaster. Yeah, lots of ups and downs. And our first person got out of the prison world, TBD, if more do. I mean, we got one person out, but the person who can get people out is still there. So, I mean, I think we'll be seeing some more soon enough. But there's more than just that. There's homecoming parties and vehicular manslaughter and so much more. So much to discuss. (laughs) It's like vehicular attempted murder and then like first degree murder. Yeah. Like, Like, oh, in quick succession. Like attempted murder by Ivy, vehicular attempted murder by Tyler, and then murder, murder. (laughs) That poor guy. That poor guy went through it. But before we get into any of that, here's a quick ad. As always, I'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. With homecoming around the corner, Elena invites Liam to attend a party at the corn maze with her. Instead of attending the homecoming festivities, Caroline is preoccupied after Stefan shows up unexpectedly and needs her help cleaning up a mess created by Enzo. Heeding Elena's advice to be more social, Alaric reluctantly attends the party, but a devastating accident quickly leaves him and Joe rushing to save lives. Elsewhere, Tyler finds himself in a dangerous position when his werewolf curse is put to the test. So that's what we're calling it these days. Yeah, that's what we're calling hitting a guy on the road, but okay. Yeah, and an emotionally embattled Stefan comes clean to Caroline about his intent to move on from Mystic Falls. Lastly... Damon and Bonnie make an important discovery that affects their quest to get back home. You know what? I obviously the end of this episode crying all love to Stefan, but I'm going to be shitting on him a lot up until that point. It's hard to defend Stefan for much of his behavior this episode, except for saying that he's upset about Damon, um, which I will do because if I'm going to do one thing, it's defend Stefan. But yeah, bad showing for for Stefan this week. I got to say, even me. I just want to make it clear, like, I respect he's going through a hard time. I see the emotion at the end, but I will be shitting on him. Yeah. Regardless of that. And that's fair. (laughs) We open the episode at Stefan's house in Savannah. He's sleeping on top of the blankets and he gets a phone call. He picks it up, says hello, and it's Trip. Trip says, hey, Trip Cook. How'd you get this number? Stefan's like, I didn't really want to like be in touch with you. I just kind of wanted you to deal with Enzo for me. But unfortunately, Tripp has no other founding family friends and there's no founders council to speak of because they famously burnt. Tripp's like, you're my new bestie, I fear. Stefan gave him an inch. He's taken a mile. He sure is. Tripp says, I just wanted to thank you for turning over that vampire Enzo to me. He's been really helpful. And Stefan says, right, Enzo, I thought you were going to kill him because Stefan thought he was just like sending Enzo to his death. He wouldn't have to worry about it in the future. Not so. Yeah. He's like, wait, what do you mean he's been helpful? Since I am the one that sent him to you, I I fear I know some of the things he would say. Yeah. (laughs) Tripp says, oh, I'll kill him eventually, you know, once I know all the details. And Stefan says, out of curiosity, what what has he told you? (laughs) And Tripp says, sounds like the vampire problem in Mystic Falls isn't as bad as I thought. I mean, if he had any names, he'd have given them up. Lord knows I've done plenty of things to get him to talk. Now, Stefan knows that Enzo is more, um, has a higher pain tolerance than most vampires. Trip picked probably the worst vampire to torture for information. Uh, Cause Enzo knows how to keep his mouth shut and he knows how to take all sorts of hits. 
And especially, I mean, not to psychoanalyze Trip because I don't know that it's super relevant, but I don't believe Trip is even the most adept torturer. For one, he's just become a vampire hunter and his chosen method of killing them is pretty passive. So yeah. I don't imagine he's like really torturing Enzo that bad. It's probably like, you know, the equivalent of tickling to Enzo. I bet he's like stabbing him with wooden stakes once in a while, which Enzo's like, I mean, you're not cutting my eyes open four times a day. So I'm feeling pretty good with this. Yeah, so I'm cool with this. <laughs> I do this as power moves, like to yeah. other people. I do this to myself. Like I have no issue putting a log through my stomach just to fuck with somebody's day. So if you want to poke me with the stick, feel free. Be my guest. <laughs> Stefan says, oh, that's good to hear. And Trip says, yeah, it seems like the vampire problem moved on to Savannah. So I sent some of my guys down there and they're going to check it out and like verify it. And now this uh, terrifies Stefan because he's in Savannah. This is hysterical of Enzo. He said, you know what? No, I'm not going to give up Stefan's name because I'm not that big of a dick, but I will give up Savannah. Yeah. And Trip, I understand you're looking for vampires. What business do you have in Savannah? You don't even have like a volunteer squad in Savannah. Deal with your own town. Well, he didn't even go to Savannah himself. He sent some of his guys. You mean the fresh high school graduates who you just trained? Yeah, he paid these kids to go get in bar fights in Savannah instead of Mystic Falls. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan says, well, awesome. Thanks for the heads up. And Trip says, hey, founding families, we got to stick together, right? So you answer this phone number, Stefan? This is the one phone call you answer all episode? Fuck you. Yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> well, he wants to know what's up with Trip. He's um, He doesn't want to hear from anyone in his life because he knows they're going to be kind of mean to him because he's been a dick, as we see with yeah. both Alaric and Caroline. He'll hear from Trip because that man's an idiot and he wants to make sure Enzo's dead. Because he's like, the only thing that could make my life better right now is if at least Enzo died. You can't even get that. Yeah. Or at least he hasn't yet. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Stefan says, absolutely. Founding families, yeah, we got to stick together. And then he hangs up. Downstairs, he hears a little crash. He says, Ivy. He goes downstairs, and it is a mess. She has, like, torn the whole place up. Everything is on the ground. And he says, oh, you redecorated. And it's like, girl, did you think there was a blood bag in the lamp? I know you're hungry, but, you know, let's... Let's not be crazy here. Unfortunately for Ivy, you know, being a vampire, you know, just exemplifies traits you already have. And one of Ivy's primary traits is stupid. So unfortunately, she's gotten more stupid. She didn't have a chance. This poor girl, she's not. I'm surprised she made it through this episode. This is probably the worst transition we've ever seen. Things are not looking good for Ivy. I mean, yeah, Vicky did better than this. Like, I mean, we'll get into it through the episode, but oh my God, Ivy, I, I am begging you to think anything through. <laughs> She's in the fridge. Her mouth is like covered with blood. And she says, hey, I should probably tell you, I killed your boss, Dean. I woke up when he was burying me in the woods and I drank every drop of his blood and it wasn't enough. Stefan says, yes, I am familiar with that feeling. Yeah, and Stefan's like, that's okay. I kind of assumed you killed him because how else did you get here? I, I mean, I didn't love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ivy says, why aren't you helping me? And Stefan says, well, I'm trying to help you. But he doesn't get into the fact that um, he's pretty much the worst person to train a new vampire. Like, she got shit luck. He doesn't even bother saying that because he's like, look, I'm not coaching you through a transition. One, because I'd be bad at it. But two, and it's mostly two, I don't really care what happens to you. Yeah, I don't like you. And I want to leave because this isn't fun anymore. You know, I made a big stink about you being dead, but the thing is, it was actually nice to not have you, like, on my ass. So, 
if you die, I just don't really want to be responsible for it, but I do want it to happen. Yeah, I don't want to kill you, but I do want you to end up dead somehow. <laughs> yeah. She says, you gave me two blood bags and a lesson on sunlight. Thanks. And he says, okay, listen, uh, I have to get you out of Savannah. And she says, no, you listen. I'm dead because of you. Because you lied to me about who you were. Now, to be fair, Ivy, he did tell you he was a vampire. Now, yes, you read that as a joke, which was the right reaction at the time. But he didn't tell you anything, so you should have assumed the worst. And look, not to be a huge Stefan defender, but she's not dead because of him. She is dead because of Enzo. It's not enough to do all that. But Enzo wouldn't have done it, like, without Stefan really shitting on everybody in his life. Sure, but why did he harm Ivy and not Stefan? You know, that's the thing. And, like, why did Ivy have to catch strays? And she is, like, annoying and it was effective, but let's be honest, Enzo is the one who killed her. I'm not saying he didn't have a reason. I'm saying that, like, she can't really blame Stefan for Enzo killing her because Enzo came out of nowhere and he didn't want to have dinner with her that night at all and they were being weird and she didn't leave. So, like, that's, I mean, that's a problem with your instincts, girl. Yeah. I get that Stefan's easy to blame, but let's be honest. I mean, Stefan could have worked, you know, this is all in retrospect. I respect that. Stefan could have worked a little harder to get her out of there because he knows that Enzo knows it's way more effective to get at Stefan's guilt than anything else. Why would Enzo hurt Stefan? Then Stefan wouldn't feel guilty about it. Sure. Now, again, this is expecting a lot of thinking from Stefan when he was really just trying to have dinner by himself. I also think Stefan's flaw was that he knew that if he made Ivy go home, Enzo's going to follow Ivy and kill her anyway. Yeah. So I think the issues with Stefan and Enzo go back to you know, when Enzo made Stefan kill him. And unfortunately, that ship has sailed. Plus all this Damon stuff and now the Caroline stuff. I mean, I don't think there's anything Stefan could have done in this evening to stop Enzo from killing Ivy. But let's be honest, Enzo's the one who killed her. He is the one who killed her. I do think he was, I don't want to say justified, because like he wasn't justified to kill Ivy, but he was justified to teach Stefan a lesson. So, yeah. And I guess in defense of Enzo, he didn't kill Ivy. He turned her. Yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially killing her, given her vibe. Yeah. Do I think it was the most mature decision from Enzo? No. But it did have the desired effect. But do I love Enzo for his mature, well-thought-out decision-making? No. I love him because he's hot and sexy. I love him because he's sexy, and that was a slay little plan that, you know, did unfortunately have collateral damage. Uh, which is Ivy, but I'm going to stand Enzo. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't stand Enzo because of this, but her blaming Stefan is a little bit misguided from her point of view. I think she is coming into it like, you let me into your life, all this. And it's like, girl, he did not even want you here. He barely let you in. This is why you don't go after a man who doesn't want you. That is the lesson. If you meet a man who lives alone, has no friends, and doesn't tell you anything about himself, that's not someone you should want to be your boyfriend. Because, you know, even if we're in the natural world, if he has no friends, never answers the phone, doesn't tell you anything, he's probably a convicted criminal of some sort. Well, let's not mince words here. He's super hot, lives in a nice house by himself. He's a mechanic, whatever. There's got to be some reason he's single. Let's, Let's dig deeper. Because if he's this hot and clearly has money, it's something psychological with him. Yeah. And that's fine. You can still hook up with him. But keep your wits about you. 
recognize that this is not really the type of relationship where you should be attending a dinner party at his house. Yeah. Like, especially, I'm sorry, I've known this guy for three months. He tells me he has no friends. He doesn't talk to anyone. And suddenly there's a dinner party. Uh, actually, no, my my curiosity would get the best of me there. Yeah, I do think that my curiosity would get the best of me. And she did think it was a dinner date. But when I met his friends and there seems to be something going on, I would be texting a friend, call me and tell me you need me somewhere because I don't really want to be here for this, but they're not kicking me out. Yeah. Anyway, Ivy says, <laughs> your friend Enzo turned me into something straight out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Really long way to say vampire, girl. I know. <laughs> they got to mix it up. <laughs> Stefan says, hey, girl, calm down. When you're a vampire, your emotions are heightened. It's like, hey, your emotions are heightened, so so don't let them do that. Like, he is so over even trying to coach. And she says, you think? The most real response to that. Yeah. She says, look at me. I used to be a decent person. I got good grades. I went home for Christmas. I had a freaking Etsy store. I have to ask you, what do you think Ivy sells at her Etsy store? She definitely made handmade jewelry. Oh, she does. Uh, Like, her necklace she's wearing in this scene, I was like, that's from her store immediately. I would say stickers, but I don't think she's an iPad girly. I don't think she's an iPad girly either. I was thinking the other thing she might do is like printables. Like she might do printables to make a little extra money, but I do think it's like jewelry making. She do- she just does it for the passion. Every piece of jewelry is just like, you didn't need to have all seven of those things there. You could have done five of them. There's like one too many things on everything. And she like upcharges for it a little more than she should. Yeah. As someone who makes handmade jewelry, she's <laughs> she definitely buys the findings like really cheap. So it immediately tarnishes, even though she's charging it as though it won't. The description will be like the look of gold plated jewelry so that it comes up when you search gold plated, but it's not <laughs> gold plated. I'll love hustle. I'll love. I, and, you know, I bet every once in a while there's a cute one in there. Yeah. Stefan says, Ivy, please. And Ivy says, now I'm a killer. And all I'm going to do is kill more and more, and it's all your fault. She goes to attack him, and he snaps her neck. Step one of people blaming Stefan all episode, which leads to his eventual breakdown. Yes, I mean, and again, I think there are some things you can blame Stefan for. I think Caroline and Alaric both are so justified in their blame of Stefan. Ivy's taking this out on Stefan, and it's fair that she is because she doesn't know Enzo. She can't take it out on him. Yes, Stefan's the only one in Savannah. I mean, I think Stefan definitely played a role in it and she's justifiably mad because she's going through something. But this is just the start of Stefan getting really knocked down. Yeah, which to be fair, he kind of needed because he was clearly so deep in denial. He really hadn't allowed himself to feel his feelings and now he does. He does just in time to get his brother back though, so. Yeah, he needed the a sledgehammer to that brick wall. Mm-hmm. We go over to the Whitmore dorm. Caroline answers the door in a towel and she's like, Stefan? And I'm like, oh, great. Stefan is reaching out to Caroline because now he feels bad. No, not yet. No, he comes straight in and he says, I need a favor. No, hello. No, how are you? No, you look beautiful, Caroline. I haven't answered your phone calls in weeks. I've been a huge dick to you. And now can you please do all my work for me? She says, what are you doing? And what is with this trunk? He says, hang on and closes some curtains. And so Caroline opens the trunk and out pops Ivy. And Ivy says, where am I? What did you do? And Caroline says, how the fuck did this happen? She said, you just brought a girl in a box? You just have been dragging around a trunk? Stefan says, Enzo turned her. Ivy says, then Stefan broke my neck and I woke up in a trunk. (laughs) Stefan says, right. So I need a little bit of help. And Caroline says, no. 
Caroline's like, I'm not really sure what my fucking part in this is. Like, how is any of this up to me? That's the thing. I think you can argue. I think Enzo and Stefan both share some blame for what happened to Ivy. Caroline didn't even know they were going to Savannah. Caroline, no blame. But she gets to deal with all the work of it as though she's not also doing all the work on every other front anyway. Classic. Stefan says, just watch her a little while while I get Luke to make her a daylight ring. You show her the ropes, teach her some control, please. And Caroline says, no, this is not my mess. This is your mess. And Stefan says, a mess that wouldn't have happened if you just left me alone. Now, don't blame Caroline for this. Again, she didn't even know they were going to Savannah. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that as one of your dear, dear friends, I came to check on you after your brother died. And I'm the bad guy for that. Fuck you. Yeah. Ivy says, um, I can hear you. I can hear everything like perfectly. She's like, you guys are talking about me referring to me as a mess. I am literally standing here. And they said, shut the fuck up. It's like, girl, we call it as we see it. Okay. Yeah. Caroline says, do I need to remind you there's a vampire hunter lurking around? And Stefan says, actually, he's in Savannah, which is why we are not. First of all, he's not in Savannah. Some of his guys are in Savannah, but whatever. And as soon as this gets dropped, I was like, oh, pfft. I know who's getting kidnapped next. Yeah. <laughs> Ivy says, you know, the real tragedy in all this is I read he's just not that into you. And I and Caroline and Stefan both say, shut up. You know, Ivy's right. This is the real tragedy. She knew he wasn't into her and she just stuck with it. And now look, she's paying the price. Yeah, she's like, I always pick the wrong guys. And now I have a deeply horrible consequence for it. It's like, why couldn't I just learn my fucking lesson? And now I have to deal with immortality. Now I just killed somebody. Just because a guy didn't like me that much. She's like, what was this for? I got to get my shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan says, look, Trip Cook has somehow decided to be the Eastern Seaboard's self-proclaimed vampire hunter. None of us are safe if we can't control ourselves. And if anyone can teach her, it's you. And this is true. Caroline is kind of the best weapon they have in this particular arsenal. It is just unfortunate that he has been so rude to her lately. And now he's asking her for a favor. And it's like, yes, I respect that Caroline's really good at like this side of it. But it's like, so I just have to drop everything to train whatever new vampire shows up. Like, I don't even have any connection to this girl. Like, you're just throwing her in my lap because you have no ability to control yourself. You can't teach anyone. And he says, yep, you got it. Because I think Caroline definitely blames Enzo for this. But I think she certainly blames Stefan as well. Yeah. You know, if you would just hold your shit together, this girl wouldn't be a vampire, and now I'm paying for that? Yeah. She says, you don't have to flatter me. I already know, like, I'm the only one who can teach her. (laughs) And Stefan says, look, just a couple hours, and you'll never have to deal with me again. And Caroline says, is that what you think I want? And he says, I don't know, you tell me. They're at an impasse. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't want to not be friends with him. She just wants him to be nicer to her. But he thinks, he. I mean, this is Stefan's fatal flaw is he's like, I have so many issues. I can't bring anyone down with me. I need to leave before I get left. Yeah, I've been the archer. I've been the prey. Who could ever leave me, darling? But who could stay? I mean, it's true. I love you, King. (laughs) But also, Caroline is like, I just want someone to like, you know, fight for me and respect me. All I'm asking is that someone be my friend. Yeah. That someone put as much effort into a relationship with me as I put into every single one of my friendships in relationships ever it's fair expectation all that she ever wanted from him was sweet nothing it's true caroline says okay and stefan goes and then ivy says when do we eat girl if you don't read the room (laughs) we go over to alaric's classroom he's written on the board and he says homecoming 
And it's like, how can this possibly be relevant to occult studies? But he does tell us, of course. He finds a way. And number one, this is a big clue that someone comes back from the prison world this episode. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I know you didn't pick up on that at all. No, not even a little bit. Isn't that crazy? Not until you said it right this moment. (laughs) Alorex says, by show of hands, who knows the supernatural origin of tonight's homecoming party? Buckle up, everyone. I know every school has a homecoming and none of them are supernatural, but this one is. Elena, like, waves her hand as if to say, like, I know the answer. Alorek explains. A Civil War soldier, another damn Civil War soldier. Of course it is. Yeah, on what side? I'm pretty sure it's the Confederacy, again. Because I think if it was the Union, you would tell us. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the soldier's name was Nathan Whitmore, another damn Whitmore. But he was horribly disfigured. <laughs> Alorek says he was horribly disfigured throughout countless battles. But he somehow survived them all so he could get home to the woman he loved. And when he finally got home, he found her in bed with his brother. And he did what any sane man would do. He murdered his brother in cold blood and then chased the love of his life out into the cornfields. If my professor said like any sane man would do and then said that, I'd be like, oh, I'm reporting you (laughs) to someone. And then this story is boring Tyler. So Tyler turns to live and <laughs> starts having a side conversation. He said, I think I got it. <laughs> Tyler says, hey, I got to run some gear to the football stadium later. If you want, like, I can pick you up after we go to the party together. So now he's turned from practice squad to towel boy. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Tell me about it. He used to be like the top dog on the football team at Mystic Falls. It's a good team here, I guess. <laughs> Liv says, oh, like a date? Because definitely not. But she says it in like a flirty way. So it's like, okay, we're doing this again. It's like, oh, good. This couple has a whole storyline again. Yeah. Oh, good. We're not just giving up on this couple. (laughs) Oh, so so we're doubling down on this one. You guys are good with that. By the end of the episode, they like quadruple down on this couple. Because what? They go from zero to a thousand. They won't kiss, but they will kill for each other. Ivy sees that. She's like, I wish I had what they had. She said, oh, God. (laughs) He's into her. (laughs) Alaric is continuing his story. We tune back in. He says, legend says that Lady Whitmore is out on this night every year, dressed in white, covered in her lover's blood, running through the cornfields, screaming for her life. And the moral of the story is, do not fall in love. And everybody laughs. And he says, (laughs) especially with your brother's girl. All right, kids, have a fun night. Be safe. I know his rate, my professor ratings are... Five stars all around. Oh, yeah. He has not given them assignment yet, and he won't. He's like, this is just my time to give a little talk. Take notes if you want or don't. And don't bleed in here. (laughs) That I can say for sure. There won't be any tests because I don't want to write or grade them. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And there won't be any papers because I don't want to read them. This class is graded purely on vibes. And if I do grade, guess what? Everybody gets an A because I'm fucking blasted while I'm doing it. The kids all leave. They all go to the party. Elena comes up to Rick and says, you know, that cautionary tale would have had more of an impact on me about two weeks ago. Probably a couple of years ago. Let's say that. Yeah, she probably needed to hear that sooner. Rick says, well, Damon may be gone, but I can still find pleasure in judging his life choices. <laughs> Speaking of bad life choices, have you changed your mind about me compelling you to forget him yet? And Elena says, why do you say yet? <laughs> uh, Elena, be serious. Why do you think? She says, as if I'm going to wake up someday and realize my life is over if I don't have the traumatic memories of loving a serial killer. It's like, girl, you know the whole part of it is they're not traumatic memories. 
Yeah. Like, they're good memories that then have become traumatic because he's dead. Yeah. Rick says, okay, well, I had to ask. Elena says, you may be right. Maybe I am making a huge mistake. Or maybe I got a valuable piece of advice for myself on how to be happy, and I intend on taking it. Now, may I just say, Mama, consider the source of the advice. <laughs> it was you. I mean, that is definitely the point, because I would not take Elena's advice on anything. <laughs> but I do respect she said, no, I'm going to follow what my own self said. I think that's some strength there. Now, was it the wrong choice? Yes. But she's sticking by it. That's one thing about Elena. She will pick the wrong choice every time, but she will. She's in it. Once she's made it, she's made it, baby. Yeah. Elena says, will I see you at the party tonight? He says, I may need to wait for the mixer for 30 something vampires just back from the dead. Less of a crowd. <laughs> Elena says, come on, Rick. You're like one hoodie and three missed haircuts away from becoming Professor Shane. Professor Shane catching strays in season six. Yeah, he's like, hey. He said, hey, I was going through a lot. And I didn't wear hoodies that often. <laughs> they weren't, or at least they weren't the only layer. <laughs> Alaric says, I am perfectly content staying at home, letting my hair grow out. And Elena says, you're hiding, becoming a self-loathing vampire hermit. Tell you what, you've been given the chance to start over. Take it. Be happy. This is typical Elena these days. She gets on such a damn high horse, like, you need to move on. It's really like, you know what you should do about, like, I know you're so emotional and you're so sad, but you know what you should do about that? You should be happy. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the groundbreaking advice, bitch. You weren't taking that when you were crying in the mausoleum addicted to drugs. Yeah. Well, it's like, not only is that obnoxious advice in general, but it's even more obnoxious that she like just chose to completely ignore all her feelings. And now she's giving any advice. Well, and it was one thing when she didn't remember she got these memories erased, but she actively knows she got bad memories erased. Maybe let's not tell everyone how to go through grief. Yeah. Again, consider the source. Rick says, I am happy-ish. And Elena says, exactly. See you at eight, but not in that t-shirt. You've worn it twice this week. And she goes. He's like, well, I would have more t-shirts if you guys didn't throw all, all my clothes away when I died. Yeah, I would have more t-shirts if you didn't burn down the house where all my clothes were. <laughs> she goes up to Liam. So uh, again, another couple we're, I guess, uh, sticking with for a minute. And, you know, he is just, something about him is unsettling. Not like I predict he's anything special way, just in like the vibes from him I'm not feeling. He's got a very angular face. Yeah, something about him just looks a little sinister. He's one of those people that, you know, like you see him and you're like, yeah, like I see you on TV and you're hot, but you're like so hot that it's weird. It's like, okay, you didn't need to get that chiseled. I think you overdid it. Yeah. If a guy like that exists, he's not a pre-med student. Now, I think that's exactly who goes to pre-med. Okay. Hot guys? Not like it's a specific type of hot that goes pre-med. That they're like hot, but like something's a little off. I think he's like too model-esque. That's fair enough. Like if, if he existed in real life, he would have been scouted at a mall ages ago. That is true. That is true with him. That's how I feel. I think the only reason he didn't get scouted in the universe of this show is he keeps wearing those fuck-ass shorts. Put on a pair of jeans, buddy. Mm-hmm. Nice fitting jeans. One solid color Henley. Next thing you know, you're with Calvin Klein. Booked and busy. Elena says, there you are good. <laughs> are you going out tonight? And it's like, oh, I have to watch this version of Elena flirt now? Even better. Yeah, great. Um, poor. <laughs> <laughs> Your boyfriend's not even dead. 
Liam says, oh, the Friday of homecoming weekend? No, I'm studying. Be earnest. She says, sarcasm, what an unexpected response. I think you should come to the corn maze with me. And he says, corn maze. <laughs> Will Dorothy and Toto be joining us? They don't go to a corn maze in that fucking movie. <laughs> I guess they, the scarecrows at a corn maze. Do they get in a... I don't think they get in a corn maze, but they do meet a scarecrow. So maybe they get into a corn maze. Whatever. It's I still, I just hate him. I hate I'm going to have yeah. shit to say about anything he says. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it's enough of a corn maze to make the joke. Yeah. Elena says, hilarious. You know, there's an actual scientific word for why people go to these events. And he says, oh, what is it? She says, fun. This is the only time I respect her be happy vibes. Yes. It's like, this guy wants to date this girl. He's already kissed her. His flirting is like, I'm going to be a little mean. Just be nice to her. She's like falling at your feet, bitch. I'm sorry. If Nina Dobrev is this openly flirting with me, I'll go anywhere. Yeah. I'll go to a Kormes. I'm free tonight. Oh, no one else is going to Kormes? Even better. Even better. Just you and me and the Kormes. <laughs> yeah. She says, you feel like having some fun with me? And he says, that depends. You're going to try and set me up with any more of your friends? You should be so lucky. She says, that depends. You're going to kiss me out of the blue again? And he says, why'd you say it like that? Because you're weird. Yeah, because you're a creepy looking dude. <laughs> she says, gotta go. More people to invite. And he says, you're inviting multiple people to be your date? She says, I'm inviting multiple people to join the fun. As for who my date will be, <laughs> that depends on you. Then we go over to the woods in the prison world. Bonnie and Damon are walking. Damon's in a great mood. And Bonnie says, you are in a good mood for the first time this decade. And Damon says, because I have a hot date with my girl tonight. I have good and bad news for you, Damon. Yeah. Bonnie says, assuming Kai is telling the truth. And Damon says, I'm thinking dinner and a movie. You know what? Screw dinner and a movie. Let's skip straight to the good part. Bonnie says, again, assuming I can do the spell, which I won't know until I see it. And he says, whatever happened to hope, Bonnie? Remember when I was all negative and you were all positive? And he does like little jokies. And she says, look, I want to go home more than anything. But Kai is a sociopath. Who's to say he won't screw us over? Damon says, me, I say, because I will kill Kai and anyone who comes in the way of me going home. Damon is like, I'm manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> Kai Fosin said, I heard my name. All good, I hope. He knows it wasn't. Boy, I knew you were listening to the whole thing. <laughs> That's all you do. All you do is listen. Kai says, okay, so the eclipse will happen directly overhead in perfect alignment with the Gemini constellation. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. He says, Damon, you need to dig into the tunnels and we'll do the spell there. And Bonnie says, why? And Kai says, um, <laughs> have you never portal jumped through an eclipse before? The light of the eclipse will shine down and activate the ascendant. You spout a little witchy woo and then poof, anyone standing in the circle of light holding the ascendant goes home. Makes sense. Bonnie says, by witchy woo, I assume you mean the spell. Let me see it. And Kai says, when the time comes. He is holding this one off as long as he possibly can. <laughs> and he starts to go, so no one can ask any follow-up questions. Yeah. And Damon says, where are you going? And Kai says, into town. I need to gather some important supplies. Damon starts digging with a pickaxe. Because one thing about Kai, he said, I'm not digging a hole. Said, Come on. Not. <laughs> <laughs> we go over to the dorm at Whitmore. They are using the fireplace, which I thought was fun. <laughs> Ivy comes out in a white dress. Why would you wear white on your first day as a vampire? Number one. Yeah. She says, what do you think? And she does a little twirl. And Caroline says, I think you're wearing my dress and you must be deaf because I already said the party's not happening. Yeah. Because Caroline's like, there's no way that it works for you to go to a party on your first day. Like, that's not what we're doing. Like, I know Stefan didn't feel the need to tell you that, but like, I'm here to tell you that's a bad idea. She's like, I'm just going to tell you we're not doing shit today. 
Ivy says, so you'd rather be locked in a dorm room with a newbie vampire? And Karen says, no, I'd rather be at the party. Just like I'd rather have friends who didn't ignore me for months and then use me when they need help. And then Ivy gets on her judgmental-ish. And she says, whoa, I just realized why Stefan brought me here to learn control. Do yourself a favor, unwind. Just admit you have a thing for him. First of all, she's not going to admit shit to you. She just met you. Yeah, she's not vibing with you at all. Caroline says, excuse, uh, well, I never. (laughs) And Ivy says, okay, well, I saw the way you looked at him the night you came over for dinner. You practically cut his food for him. Caroline says, okay, my relationship with Stefan is strictly complicated. Aren't you supposed to be practicing your vamping or something? Ivy Vampire runs up to her and says, done, see? I'm fine. Look, you put your number into my phone as my emergency vampire contact. I burn in the sun. We covered compulsion. Obviously, you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we covered snatchy to race. It's getting dark. Let's go party. You can teach me how to eat someone without killing them. And Caroline says, you know what? Stefan is going to be here very soon. And you can do whatever you want with him. Yeah, Caroline's like, I'm not teaching you how to feed on people tonight. Like, I'm not doing that today. So like, if I'm going to a party, I'm going to actually party, not babysit your ass. And she's like, also, I don't even really feed on people. I just drink from blood bags. Yeah. Ivy says, can we at least play like a board game or do something non-vampire related? Unfortunately for Caroline, this is the perfect trap because Caroline loves board games. She's so me. (laughs) She says, finally, a good idea. What kind of game do you want to play? And Ivy says, I don't know, Scrabble, because it's a distraction. She doesn't give a fuck about the game. And Caroline says, oh, okay, great. I have tournament, classic, and travel size. She's so icon. Because of course she's a Scrabble girly. I know she loves Scrabble. I know she beats everyone in Scrabble. Yeah, I know she abuses those fucking triple letter scores and triple word scores. Mm Mm-hmm. As Caroline is looking at her many scrabbles, Ivy snaps her neck and runs. So Ivy, you were so sad about killing a man earlier today and you're jumping right to neck snapping already. Yeah, awesome. you're, you're going to handle this super well. <laughs> we go over to the corn maze. There's a girl in a bloody nightgown with a torch. She's running and screaming, but she comes out of the maze and then she smiles and lights a bonfire. So she's the actress playing Lady Whitmore and they give us like the most apt 2014 to 2015 needle drop they could. It's that song that goes, I like us better when we're wasted. I love that song. Low key. That song is so good. When that song hits at a party, it's like, I do like us better when we're wasted. It's like, oh man. <laughs> it's like It's like, I'm never going to die. It's that kind of song, you know? Everybody in the crowd cheers. Elena, like, cheers and, like, woos to no one in particular. Yeah. She's just in the general direction of the crowd. She's just vibing. Liam approaches with two cups for drinks. And he says, what's Dr. Laughlin doing here? She's looking hot. Mind you, she's wearing a cardigan. Creepy. You shouldn't say that about your boss. And even if you should say it, wait till she actually looks hot enough to justify it. Yeah, it's like that's a little disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, she looks pretty much the same as she looks in the hospital. Her hair is just down. Yeah, he says, I thought the lab coat was permanently attached. And the cardigan, mind you, is white. So it's essentially the same look as a lab coat, just casual. You thought she never left the hospital? What are you, a second grader? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With your teacher? Elena says, I invited her. And I know, like, we have to get Joe and Alaric here for the episode. But how is it appropriate that you invited your boss? To a party. Why can't they just be chaperones again? And especially because this event clearly needed some chaperones. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like, why did they have chaperones at the tailgate, but not 
at the party with a huge fire. And I'm sorry, like, let's just pretend that this is on the same level. Like when I was a grad student TAing, if one of my undergrads was like, you have to come to this party, live a little, I'd be like, no. Excuse you? It's not really appropriate for Elena to ask, but it's definitely not appropriate for Joe to like do it. But the good thing is, you know, who is the king of inappropriate relationships with his students is Mr. Alaric Saltzman. So she said, is Alaric going to be there? Probably. She said, this is the real test of if they would like each other, if they both determine that it's okay for them to go to this party. (laughs) Yeah. And she said, cha-ching. Elena says to Liam, it's kind of a setup. Only neither party knows about it. And then she says, I couldn't understand what she says here. She says, time to get your what on? Maybe maze on? Anyway, she's like, come on. And then they go into the corn maze. We go over to Whitmore. Caroline is like walking through like the town area of Whitmore. Mm-hmm. And she's on the phone and she says, hey, Stefan, this is your third message alerting you that your psychotic she vampire has gone AWOL. And if you haven't noticed, it's dark outside. So every dead sorority girl tonight is officially on you. And so at this point, I was like, he's so stupid. Why is he not answering his phone calls when he knows he left Caroline with a new vampire? And it's because he had every intention of ignoring those phone calls forever. Yeah. Which is rude. It is rude. We go over to Alaric's classroom. Alaric is sitting alone, grading something, maybe. More importantly, he's drinking bourbon from the bottle. Stefan appears and says, grading on the curve, huh? Rick says, you know, this barely makes a dent, but you can't fault me for trying, though. You want some? And Stefan says, oh, no, I just came here to get one of these from Luke, and it's a daylight ring. And Rick says, let me guess. You played the Damon is dead and it's all your fault card. And of course he did, because that's his one card. Yeah. But Alaric's like, obviously, that's not why you're here. So he says, what do you want, Stefan? And Stefan says, okay. The T is, Enzo turned a vampire when he and Caroline found me. And Alaric says, you mean your girlfriend from Savannah, the one you falsely led me to believe was a witch that knew how to help Damon and Bonnie. Yeah, because Alaric's like, we're not going to ignore the fact that you were lying to me as well. Yeah. You're not just going to get off scot-free from me here. We're not going to act like I didn't figure this out too. Yeah. Stefan says her name is Ivy. Anyway, I was hoping that you could compel her to get a handle on things, get somewhere far away from me, live a good life. He hates her so bad. Yeah, he's like, he's like, could you just compel her to like be a good vampire, but especially not ever talk to me? Yeah, but far away from me. Stefan had enough nerve asking Caroline for a favor, but Caroline's so nice. Of course, she's going to do it. I need you to be so for real. In what world is Alaric, like, I know in Stefan's mind, he's probably like, well, he compelled Elena. So he's willing to do it. It's like, no, Stefan, Alaric is not on your team right now, buddy. Yeah, I think Stefan does as good a job as he can in, like, presenting this Mm -hmm. to make it not sound like, please just make this girl not talk to me anymore. Yeah. But he can't make it sound like something it isn't. Like, (laughs) and, you know, he had all this shit to say when Damon told that girl to count bricks for 50 years. But look at this. I mean, this is better than counting bricks. Yeah, counting bricks for 50 years is a little worse than go live a good life somewhere. (laughs) She was counting bricks for 50 years. (laughs) She was in love. Alaric says, oh, you're asking me to help you with a breakup. And Stefan says, well, I would say that I'm asking you to give her a fresh start. And Alaric says, you mean give you a fresh start? And that's where he gets him. Yeah. And then he says, sorry, Stefan, it's not that easy. But then Stefan does hit back with, well, it was when you compelled Elena to forget about Damon. But then Alaric hits back with, well, you forgot about him first, pal. Ooh, 
He ate his ass up. I missed a lurk. One thing about a lurk is he's got his words. He eats them alive. Because he is older than them, so he's more mature. Well, I guess he's not really older than Stefan Damon, but whatever. <laughs> but like he will stand up for Damon. He'll stand up for his friends and he will eat other people alive. Like when he stood up to Meredith Fells, medical examiner boyfriend, mm-hmm. and then he killed him. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't know that. <laughs> But he was in a whole thing. That was a whole other thing. We're not going to get into that. But I do love my favorite part of this is Stefan outlines this all of like, help her, you know, whatever. And Alex, like, you're asking me to break up with someone for you. Because he's like, no, you can you can frame this however you want. But that's what you're doing. It's not about helping her. It's about helping you. Exactly. And Stefan says, okay, well, he was my brother about Damon. And Alex says, yeah, and he was my best friend. So why don't you get out of my face before I compel you to be the guy I used to know instead? Ooh, he got him. Alex, like, I can compel you too, bitch. He's so hot and sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And Stefan realizes he's lost the conversation, so he heads out. Yeah, he's not getting back in this one. He's KO'd. He says, okay. (laughs) I don't know what I expected. We go outside to the streets of Whitmore Town, whatever. Some guy is about to get in his car, but he jumps because he sees Ivy behind him. But then he gets excited because she's hot. So he says, <laughs> you scared me. And it's like, oh, you you dumb, dumb boy. He said, oh, it's not going to be like that tonight, King. He's going to have a rough night ahead of him. This is the least of his worries. <laughs> yeah. Ivy says, really? <laughs> that wasn't scary, but this is. She feeds on him, but she does let go before he dies. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, I snatched, I ate. And then she looks at him and she says, now erase. And he says, erase what? What are you doing to me? And she's like, oh, shit. Okay, so I guess it was more than just the, like, three-word phrase that, like, is a nickname for this. I thought that was the the literal steps. Yeah, I did think the steps were a little catchy. (laughs) She says, oh, my God, uh, I don't think I did it right. Oh, and I'm still hungry. Oh, I'm definitely going to kill you. You should go, like, run, seriously. Uh, He does run. He hears her. And she says, I suck at this. I mean, she didn't chase him, so good job, girl. Yeah. Although she did get blood all over that dress immediately. Yeah, very nice. We go over to the prison world. Damon is continuing to dig his hole to the tunnel. And Bonnie says, you know, there's a very probable chance that you're digging your own grave. But then he breaks through. And Kai returns with his backpack and says, looks like I got back just in time. Damon grabs the backpack because he wants to know where Kai was. Fair enough. He tears it open. He says, Zima, Alex Rodriguez, rookie card, a pager, really? And Kai says, Five, 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 hi, Kai. No way I'm giving those digits up. <laughs> um, and Damon says, these were the important supplies that you needed to get. And Kai says, look, the future sounds great. I'm super excited about the internet. But 1994 has been my home for most of my life. I'd hate to get homesick. So let's go down there. And Bonnie says, nope, I'm going to stop you right there. We're not going anywhere until you show me the spell. And Kai says, okay. And just stands there and they stare at each other. And Damon says, okay, are we literally not going to go anywhere? Yeah, because Damon's like, when are you going to start talking? And Kai's like, so how do I get out of this one? He says, okay, this is tricky. (laughs) He said, how do I say this in a way that keeps them on my side? (laughs) How do I keep this a secret until she starts doing the spell? Bonnie says, fine, you know, you don't want to show me the spell. You can do it yourself. You want my magic? Take it. And she holds out her hand. And Kai says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, she's being brave. And Bonnie says, I'm serious, Kai. This was your big threat, wasn't it? If I don't do the spell, you'll take my magic and leave me for dead and do the spell yourself. So go ahead. Take all of it. And this is smart to call his bluff. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he calls her bluff 
and says, uh, don't mind if I do. And he starts taking her magic, which clearly starts to hurt her. Mm-hmm. And Damon says, Bonnie. And Bonnie says, it's okay. He won't kill me. And Damon says, it doesn't look like that from here. Yeah. And Damon says, hey, guys, stop. Because Kai kind of figures that if he starts to do this, someone will tell him to stop before he has to reveal anything. Yeah. And I don't think Bonnie would have, but Damon did. Yeah. Kai stops. But then he and Bonnie look at each other. And it's get, it gets a little sexy for a second there. Yeah, I'm seeing the specs. Are you shipping? Shipping a little bit. Again, I know it's either Bonnie Nights or Bonnie and Kai, and I don't know which one it is. Do you think they're going to kiss? Oh, yeah. How soon? It kind of depends how things go for them in the prison world. But now they have time alone to form their little connection. What episode number? This is episode five. What episode number do you think they're going to kiss? Like 15. I think we've got a ways for a kiss. Because we got to deal with the jammy of it all. Do we, though? <laughs> Bonnie says he doesn't know the spell which means we don't need him. She says Modus, which magically tosses the pickaxe into Kai, and he falls seemingly dead. I didn't buy this for a second. <laughs> and you were right not to. However, Damon does buy it. And he says, Bonnie, great work. Then we go back to the corn maze. Elena and Liam are walking. And Elena says, I think I recognize this scarecrow. And he says, you've said that about every scarecrow. And Elena says, okay, well, then we are officially lost. And Liam says, actually, it's two lefts and three rights. I pulled up a satellite image of this maze before I came. Boo. So much to unpack here. Number one, where did you get a satellite image of a corn maze? Number two, don't tell her you know the way out. Just lead her out like a man. Yeah, just be like, no, I'm actually really good at mazes because I'm so smart. Let me just, let's do it for a little bit. Yeah. And Elena says, ah, the competitive type. Got it. Not even competitive. Just know it all. A little pompous. It's a little bit giving the good doctor, if you catch my drift. <laughs> it's one level of pompous to look up the map and then pretend you don't like know it while you're leading someone through. But it's somehow even more pompous to like not be able to resist bragging that you thought to look this up. Yeah. It's like, okay, so you like completely ignored the spirit of a corn maze. Fun. He's like, I just thought of this cool way to get out of it. It's like, it's a maze. You're supposed to get lost. That's the fun. It's a corn maze. Like, how how hard can it be at a certain point? Also, you're on a date with a girl. When you get out of the maze, what are you going to do on the date? This is the date. Make it last. Don't you want to get stuck in the corn maze in like a little romantic corner? Now, I don't really think there's a romantic corner of this corn maze, given that there are scarecrows every two feet. And given that a truck's about to drive through it. <laughs> but but that's me. <laughs> but there's only so much you can control. Liam says, the question is, am I your type? And she says, honestly, no. <laughs> she says, but people change. She says, if you want to fucking ask, then I'll say it. Yeah. He says, oh, I get it. You're still hung up on your ex. You're an overly ambitious pre-med student desperate to become a doctor so she can prove to the guy who dumped her that he messed up big time. What a magnificent misread. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Who becomes a doctor just to like shit on their high school boyfriend? Because at a certain point, it's like, oh, I don't like this. Unless you already wanted to become a doctor. Yeah, that's like a 10 year commitment. And if you're as hot as Elena is, if you really wanted to shit on your ex, become a model. Yeah. Anyway. Elena doesn't mince words. She says, actually, he died. He died. Still funny to you? Who's the know-it-all now, bitch? Yeah. He says, oh, sorry. He said, okay, uh, I got that one wrong. That usually works. He said, I thought Stefan was uh, 
<laughs> and she says, no. He says, yikes. Um, Elena says, it's okay. His name was Damon. And tonight isn't about him. It's about you and me. I'd be like, you're pretty cavalier about your dead boyfriend. You seem pretty chill that he's dead. If I'm Liam, I'm like, but did Damon come after Stefan? And Stefan was two years ago. And now you're already over the death of this guy? Yeah, so when did this one die? And Damon and Stefan, those names are both kind of the same vibe. What are their last names? He wants to be able to look up a satellite map of these relationships, but he can't. He's like, oh, if only there was something I could Google. We go over to check in on Joe. Uh, She gets scared by Lady Whitmore. And Joe says, not cool. This bitch is in character. She is method acting. She's a theater major. She's not drinking tonight because she's serious. Yeah. Alaric laughs. (laughs) Joe says, ah, Professor Bourbon. Perfect timing. Got his ass. (laughs) Rick says, I imagine you see a lot worse in the ER. And she says, everything I see in the ER is natural. Gross, but natural. Zombies, ghosts, the undead. Not cool. And Alaric says, okay, good to know. Uh, The thing is, I'm undead. Rick says, you haven't seen Elena around here, have you? She basically blackmailed me into coming tonight. And Joe says, let me guess. She told you to get out of the classroom, live a little. Alaric, what do you think blackmail means? Yeah. Her telling you that you don't have a life is not blackmailing you. Yeah. That's just tough love. <laughs> Alaric says, oh, we're being set up. Okay. Because they are like the only two people the same age that Elena knows. Yeah. It's really like a child who, as soon as like they find out their teacher is single, they have a single parent. They're like, I got something to do today. Yeah. She's parent trapping. <laughs> Joe says, now why don't you be a gentleman and get me the hell out of here because we are way too old for this party and I need a drink stat. But this time Alaric is prepared and he cleaned the blood out of his flask and put bourbon in it. Well, hopefully it's just a different flask, but who can say? (laughs) Yeah, he's probably got a couple. He holds it out to her and she says, I thought you were a germaphobe. And he says, I'll make an exception. And they go. And then we go over to the truck Tyler is driving. He's coming back from, I guess, the football gear shed. Yeah. He gets a text from Liv, I assume, that says, this party's lame. You got five minutes before I get out of here. What is her move? That's got to be Liv, because who else would text him that? Yeah. (laughs) Tyler smiles. He's looking at his phone, not the road. He seems to be unclear about how this accident happened. That's crucial when we're all talking about fault later. Yeah. (laughs) And then the guy, I mean, to be fair to Tyler, this guy does run into the street in front of a car that is clearly not braking. Yeah, clearly doesn't have enough room to stop. But he's freaked out. He just got bit, whatever. Tyler hits the guy and then kind of passes out on the wheel so he keeps driving. Then we go back to the corn maze. She and Liam, I think, are like about to exit the maze. or I don't know where they are. But she says, see, I told you it'd be fun. They run into Alaric and Joe. And Alaric says, speak of the devil. And they're laughing and giggling. And we hear screams. And then we see that Tyler is driving through the maze. Yeah. Alaric pulls Joe out of the way, and Tyler crashes into a ditch. Tyler is able to get out of the car. He's got a little scrape on his forehead, but otherwise he seems okay. He's just freaked out. Yeah. And he says, oh my god. Tyler grabs his phone, and then he hears groaning. Yeah, because he dragged this dude all the way through the corn maze. (laughs) I know. He hit him, and the guy was on the hood of the car the whole time until he crashed into a ditch. A guy who, mind you, already had a vampire bite on his neck. So this guy wasn't set up to survive this crash in any stretch of the imagination. The length of this crash didn't help him. Yeah. To be sure. You have to imagine after a while he was sitting on the hood and he was like, well, this has to be it, right? He says, I think I've had, I think it's over. (laughs) 
The guy he hit says, help. And Tyler's like, oh, fuck, man. We go check in on Elena. She wakes up in the maze. Liam is with the girl in the Lady Whitmore costume. He calls to Elena. He's like, Elena, get over here. Like, she didn't just wake up. He's like, bitch, I just got hit by a car. Liam is, like, holding Lady Whitmore's wound. Elena comes up and says, how bad is it? Liam doesn't answer. Which is usually a a bad answer. And so Lady Whitmore's laying there like, please answer that. (laughs) Hey, hey, I can't help but notice that you just gave her a look instead of answering. And I don't want to freak out, but that doesn't seem like a good thing. Yeah. Elena says, I got this. And Liam says, I'm not sure there's anything you can do. And Elena says, I'll do everything I can. Just see if there's anyone else. All right. Like, go. Liam does go. Elena holds the wound. And then she looks around and she bites her wrist and feeds the girl her blood. Meredith Fell would be so proud. Meanwhile, Lady Whitmore is laying on the ground like Black Swan. (laughs) She's like, I was perfect. I died just like Lady Whitmore. Oh, bitch, you ruined my performance. He's like, I'm never going to have another performance like this in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Lady Whitmore heals and Elena compels her and says, listen, you dove out of the way just in time. You're very lucky. Now get out of here. Take as many people as you can. And off she goes. Elena gets a call from Tyler. And Tyler says, hey, Elena. So I was driving the truck. And Elena's like, the truck? Yeah, she's like, what truck? Is it the truck I think it is? Is it the truck that just almost hit me in the corn maze? <laughs> and then Tyler says, this guy ran right in front of me. This fucking asshole. He's already starting the smear campaign on this guy. This poor man. Who's lying here dead being like, oh, hey. Hey, brother, I can't help but notice that you were texting. <laughs> Tyler says, look, he's hurt bad. If he dies, I'm going to be a werewolf all over again. I need you to get here. We're in a ditch. I don't know where, but please hurry. Now, what makes you think? <laughs> well, and Elena's like, you just hit like a bunch of kids. And apparently I'm medically trained now. So I have to take care of that. She's like, doesn't really seem like my fault that you almost immediately triggered the werewolf curse again. Yeah. She's like, look, Tyler, I know you. Something tells me you were texting. I can't imagine this was totally out of your control. And again, mind you, he's saying I'm going to be a werewolf again. And this guy's hearing, he's like, what the fuck do you mean? This guy's like, man, I'm really hallucinating, huh? Yeah. Elena says, Tyler, I don't think you understand. You drove right through the maze. There are injured people everywhere. Like, that's not your only concern. Yeah, she's like, there's more than one person that could die as a result of this. So, like, I'm going to focus on the ones by me. You deal with that one. Well, I deal with, like, 20. Tyler says, what the hell am I supposed to do, Elena? I have a thought. Don't drive through a corn maze. Don't text and drive. That's one That's one lesson we can learn. Elena says, just hang on, okay? Make sure you keep him awake. Assess his injuries. I'm going to go find Joe and Rick. Elsewhere, we check in on Joe and Rick. Rick has a piece of wood, like, in his side. So he pulls it out pretty quickly. And Joe says, oh, my God, you're bleeding. He says, I'm fine. She says, no, you're not. Let me see. And she looks at where the wound would be, but, of course, it's already healed. Yeah. And she says, what? And he says, oh, I don't think it's my blood. Because, lucky for Rick, she's got a cut on her arm. And he's like, oh, thank God. He said, score. (laughs) She says, okay, that cut is going to make things more difficult for me. And Lark says, I really think I should get you out of here. And she says, no, not an option. Because she's a doctor. She says, you look pale. Does blood make you squeamish? And he says, something like that. He said, yeah. (laughs) Squeamish is a word. (laughs) Joe says, don't worry. You get used to it. Call 911. Follow me. Queen. She pointed. She said, call 911. Step one out of the way, babe. 
She got it. She's trained. <laughs> we go into the town of Whitmore. Caroline sees the car earlier where Ivy attacked the man, and it's, you know, spattered with blood. It doesn't take her long to realize how that got there. So she sighs. She sees a new car pull up. We first see the headlights. We don't know who it is. And then all of a sudden, it's a little red car, and it's Stefan. She says, oh, my God, thank God. It's like, oh, buddy, you better be. You better be useful. Yeah, she says, oh, my dear friend Stefan, coming back just like he told me he would. And then Stefan's, the first words out of his mouth are, you lost her. Excuse me? You have no leg to stand on judging anything she did today. Yeah, I, I lost her. You dropped her off with someone who doesn't give a fuck about her. Caroline says, oh, so you decide to listen to your messages a million hours later. No, I didn't lose her. She snapped my neck. What the hell took you so long? He says, I got caught up. She says, caught up doing what? And then I will say, you know, at least Stefan admits to this and doesn't try to lie. He says, driving halfway out of town. Yeah, the least he can do is be honest right now. Because, look, he just got shit on by a lurk. He knows it's coming from Caroline no matter what he says. So we might as well just get it going. And there is a part of Stefan. He wants to start over mainly because he wants to forget about his brother to like, you know, to push his emotions away. That's obviously what he's doing. So the only way he can start over at this point is honestly make everyone hate him. That's the only way he can start over is if Caroline hates him. Yeah, because then people will stop calling him and trying to get him to handle this better. Mm -hmm. She says, you were leaving. And he says, well, I'm not totally awful. I slid Ivy's daylight ring under your front door. And she says, I don't care about some stupid ring, Stefan. Were you seriously about to dump your vampire ex-girlfriend onto my lap, then just skip town? Who are you right now? And he says, in my defense, I really wanted Alaric to compel her to leave. If anything, leaving the daylight ring is more obnoxious because now she can come and go whenever she wants. Yeah. At least make it so that she can't leave during the day. This is rude of Stefan. But I do think Stefan's plan here was I'll leave the daylight ring, I'll leave her here. Then Caroline will ask Alaric to compel her away. And he won't say no to Caroline. Yeah. He'll be mad at me, but who cares? I'm leaving town because I'm hiding all my emotions. And the last thing I want is someone to remind me of Damon, which Alaric certainly is. So I hope Alaric hates me. Yeah. Well, and he's in a place where he's like, I just, I don't really care what I do right now. I just need to get out of here. Caroline will take care of Ivy. She would be better at taking care of her than me anyway. And if she doesn't take care of Ivy, whatever, at least I left her with someone and then it's not my fault anymore. Mm -hmm. Because he's like just trying to throw responsibilities on other people so that he can like stop feeling like a murder. Uh, Newsflash, Stefan, that feeling is never going to go away. Well, and he feels at fault for Damon dying. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I just can't have anything else on my plate. That was already my fault. Ivy can't be my fault too. Because even if I stay with her, I'm not going to be able to train her. And then I have a girlfriend I don't like, and she's also a ripper. And if she's a ripper, then I'm going to become a ripper right along with her. He knows how new vampires are. They'll turn off their humanity. They'll feed a lot. He can't be doing that. Yeah, he's not strong enough to do that. He wants to live as close to a human life as possible being an auto mechanic. Can't do that while he's helping someone transition. Exactly. It's selfish, but, you know, he's just, he's going through it, obviously. He's decided, like, I need to be selfish. I need to push everyone away, and then I can just deal with myself later once everyone stops asking me. Caroline mm-hmm. says, who are you right now? And Stefan says, I'm someone who's trying to start over. Then suddenly you and Enzo show up and now I have hunters on my trail. First of all, you don't have a hunter on your trail. And the only reason the hunter is even close to where you're living is because you threw Enzo under the bus to him and then Enzo gave him 
the city you're living in. So yeah. hunters on your trail, mm, that's kind of your own fault. Yeah, you kind of brought that one in and you should be happy that Enzo didn't immediately give your name up. Yeah. And then he says, and I have a brand new vampire who wants to kill me and everyone else in her path. That is Enzo's fault. But again, you're not totally blameless in the situation. And you picked a girlfriend who, let's face it, was not um, not the most level-headed. Let's say that. Well, look, the signs that she would eventually be crazy were always there. And you ignored them because you just were like, I'm not really getting into a relationship with her. I don't know why you thought everyone was going to leave you alone. Have you met your friends? That was so, so stupid. Yeah. Stefan says, that's not how someone starts over, Caroline. And Caroline says, you know what the worst part about all of this is? About a month ago, I wished Damon would come back because I knew that if that happened, I'd get you back too. But right now, all I want for you is to get back in your car and go. And he does go because there's nothing else to say. He wants her to kick him out because then he will feel as awful as he really wants to. Yeah, he wants someone else to like punish him for all the guilt he's feeling. Caroline's not going to do that without him pushing her significantly to do it because she cares enough about him to understand that. But it's like, no, if you're going to keep doing this, like, fine, get out of my life. And he's just like, finally, everyone hates me as much as I deserve to be hated. As much as I hate myself. Stefan goes, Caroline's pissed. And then Caroline immediately gets a call from Ivy. And she says, where are you? She says, oh, God, now I still have this to deal with. And Ivy says, I did a really bad thing. And Caroline says, oh, yeah, you mean break my neck? Yeah, I noticed. And Ivy says, okay, two bad things. <laughs> she says, look, I'm sorry. And Caroline, because she's got a heart of gold, mm-hmm. says, look, just tell me exactly where you are and stay put. I'll come get you. Then we go over to the prison world. Damon is drinking Zima. Um, I Googled it. Okay, I didn't know what this was. Because when I first was watching the episode and taking my notes, it looks like just a bottle of vodka. But then he mm-hmm. makes some joke like it's fruity and fizzy. I'm like, that seems like an ad for something. So Zima was a 90s, like essentially a malt beverage. Okay. Um, That was marketed as like an alternative to beer. Sorry if you're listening to this and you were alive in the 90s and knew that. Me and Stephanie were famously born in 1994 when the prison world was in effect. Because we're so young and cute. Yeah. Unless you were born in 2000, then you're like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like what is now referred to as like a wine cooler. It's something like Smirnoff Ice. It's like a citrus thing. It sounds like a Fresca-esque malt beverage. Yes. Sounds delicious to me. Yeah, sounds good. Wish they would make it again. <laughs> For those who are wondering if you can get Zima today, production was ceased in the United States in 2008, but still marketed in Japan until 2021. But in 2017, they had a limited re-release in the U.S. And it was sold again in summer of 2018, but it did not return in 2019. Mm. So it's not looking good for its comeback. But it's basically Smirnoff Ice. Yeah. So if you don't know what Zima is, just imagine Damon is having this scene while having a Smirnoff Ice. He's going to have a headache tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> As he's drinking it, Bonnie is like reading. And he says, mm <laughs> And she says, can you stop and let me concentrate? And he says, you know, on the bright side, this stuff's not so bad. It's fruity and fizzy. He's having fun. She says, Damon, I'm working on something. And he says, you know, the not so bright side is your intelligence because you took the only chance of us getting out of here and turned him into a giant douche kebab. And Bonnie says, think about it, Damon. What prison gives an inmate a key? Great question. Great, great question. Damon says, is that a trick question or is this stuff starting to kick in? Damon, start thinking. I know you understood that question, Damon. Be serious. Bonnie says, I think the Gemini coven used a Bennett spell to create this place. What if that's why my grams sent me here? 
And Damon says, this is the face I make when I don't understand you. And he makes a silly face, whatever. He makes a zany little face. The Zima's hitting. The Zimanoff ice is hitting. <laughs> Bonnie says, the last thing my Graham said to me was to stay strong. What if that was her way of telling me I have the power to get out? I have the Ascendant, a massive celestial event to draw from, plus a burning desire to get away from you. She holds out the Ascendant and she starts to say the spell that she found in the grimoire. And the Ascendant like moves a little bit. Because, you know, there were all those layers of gears. That wasn't going to just stay still. And Bonnie says, that's why Kai wouldn't kill me. He needed a Bennett. I was his only way out of here. So now we learn that not only would Kai need magic to siphon to leave, Mm -hmm. he also needed a Bennett. So he's just kind of lucky that Bonnie dropped in. Yeah. So he's thankful for that. Do you think Bonnie's assumption she makes here is correct and that this world was made by a Bennett witch in, you know, collaboration sort of with the Gemini coven? Yeah, I think they probably wanted like another witch lineage that was unrelated to the coven itself so that, you know, it in their mind, there was no way he was getting out because he needed some other witch that he couldn't have access to. Like even if he finds magic to siphon, he he would need such specific magic that he couldn't get out. We talked last week about like who's the real villain in this situation, do you think, the Gemini Coven or Kai? Do you think the Bennett who helped the Gemini Coven, A, do you think we know them? And B, do you think they did it of their own volition? Or do you think like do you think they wanted to help the Gemini Coven to trap Kai, or do you think it was more nefarious? What how do you think the circumstances of that came to be? I do think it was probably more nefarious because again, you know, the Bennett's like most witches essentially fall in this place, but Bennett specifically, as we've gone on the show, is about balance and kind of keeping nature intact. And creating a whole nother portal is not super balanced. I think I said that last week. I do think it was likely Sheila that helped them with this. Potentially Abby, I think I brought up the possibility of Abby because we know her magic like essentially got taken away. And that could be a result of this. I think Sheila or Abby are two options of who did it. And I do think they were kind of forced into it in some way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's a combination of Sheila knows that a Bennett witch can get out of this realm. But I do think Sheila had to consider the fact that, like, if she's letting Bonnie in this realm to get out, Kai is probably going to find a way to loop into that, which it might just be that Sheila's like, OK, well, the benefits outweigh the risk there. But I think it's also possible that she was like, let's get him out too. like he's done his time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Bonnie starts walking toward the tunnel. And Damon says, where are you going? And she says, home, coming. And he's like, yeah. He said, absolutely. We go back out to the woods in the real world. Tyler is trying to lift the truck off the guy he hit, but he can't because he no longer has hybrid strength. Yeah, now he's just a guy. And then the car moves magically. So Liv is revealed to like be lifting it magically. Mm-hmm. And she says, what happened? What does it look like? I crashed my car. I crashed my car into a man. And then a cornfield and then some other people. Tyler says, I hit this kid in the road. It wasn't my fault. It was an accident. Now, an accident can still have fault. Yeah, it was an accident. I believe that. But you, you were texting and driving. I, I want you to I, I want you to say that you know that. <laughs> I want you to recognize that that's what happened. Imagine if he'd been like, because you texted me. <laughs> Liv says, oh, that's a good thing, right? That it was an accident. And then she says, you know what I mean. Tyler says, it doesn't matter. Like, if he dies, I'm... Call Elena. And mind you, this guy's still laying here like, what do you, what do you mean? If I, Am I going to die? 
And why are you, who the fuck is Elena? Call 911. He's like, can you call an ambulance? I got bit. And then you hit me. And now you're all talking about what's going to happen to you if I die. What about me? I'm going to die. Just call an ambulance. There's got to be a way to save me from this. We go back to the corn maze. Rick says, ambulances are on their way. And Joe says, get over here. I need your hands. She has him hold his hand on a wound to stop bleeding. And she's like, okay, that'll stop the bleeding. I'm going to look at the rest of him. Alaric is freaked out. His veins are like appearing and disappearing. Joe says, you doing okay? And Rick says, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, because he's barely holding it together right now. But he is holding it together. Mm -hmm. Joe says, just keep your finger on the femoral artery. His pulse is still dropping. Rick says, this isn't your first rodeo? Yeah, she's a doctor. And she says like, oh yeah, I, you know, started working as a doctor right out of med school. Family stuff. Just had to get away. I mean, that's what everybody does after med school, but whatever. Do you read into this family stuff had to get away at all? Sure. What do you read into it? I don't know exactly. Okay. But, you know, anytime we drop a family name, it's going to be something. Do you think we'll learn about Joe's family eventually? I feel like we must because she dropped it. But I don't feel like it. This is so mean. I don't feel like it'll be interesting. Okay. Which it could be not interesting. We could still learn because I don't think it's like a vampire connection. Okay. Do you think it's a supernatural connection at all? No, I'm thinking it could be more like relation to the Gilbert family, maybe, or relation to like the Whitmores. Sure. And then I guess maybe she knew about the vampire torture and was like, I have to go be a doctor. But then she's a doctor at this university anyway. So that doesn't really make sense. I think it's more like a family connection than a supernatural connection, necessarily. Sure. Blood spurts out of this guy's leg. And Alaric's veins really appear. So he says, ooh, yummy. Because little medicine, anatomy fact. The femoral artery is like the main artery in the leg. Like if you slice your femoral artery, like you'll bleed out in minutes. So like the fact that this is the artery, it's like a lot of blood is ready to come out. In case you didn't know that. I assumed it was bad based on the way she said it. Yeah. But thank you for providing the context anyway. See, yeah, you don't need to be a doctor to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Elena runs up. She's on the phone. She says, Dr. Laughlin, my friend Tyler is in trouble and it sounds really bad and I don't know where he is. Joe says, can't you see I'm in the middle of something? Yeah. No, she doesn't say that. She says, call me Joe. Put me on speaker. Elena puts her on speaker. Joe is still helping the guy she's with while she talks to Tyler. She says, Tyler, can you hear me? And Tyler says, I don't know what to do. I think he's losing consciousness. And Joe says, I need you to answer my questions as accurately as you can. Is there blood? Liv says, tons. Joe says, is it still flowing? Is he still bleeding? And Tyler says, no, it looks like it stopped. Now we get a shot of this guy with his eyes. It's like, "Mm, this guy's already dead. Yeah, it's not looking good for him. Joe says, is there any coming out of his nose or mouth? Tyler says, yes. Joe says, what color is it? Red or black? And Liv says, it's black, like really freaking black. What do we do? And Joe says, okay, take his hand. And Liv says, now what? And Joe says, just try and keep him comfortable. Won't be long now. This poor guy is hearing this on speakerphone. Like, what does she mean? And what do you mean my blood is black? And Liv and Tyler are like, what? If any doctor is like, just take his hand. It's not good. It's not good. Now, I don't know why after like, oh, no, there's no blood flowing and the blood is black. Guys, does she have to say it? Does it sound like those are the answers you wanted? Be honest. Does black blood seem like a good sign to you? I mean, Tyler, you were a vampire for a bit. Did you ever drink any black blood? Let's let's think critically. And so Liv and Tyler are freaked out. Mm-hmm. We go back over to the prison world 
they are in the hole now, in the caves, in the tunnel. Bonnie draws some blood from herself for the Ascendant. She drops it on the Ascendant. She holds it and she starts the spell. The Ascendant opens and she says, okay, Damon, it's time. Damon says, all right, let's get awkward. He puts his hand on her hand and the Ascendant and says like this. And they just stand there for a second. Then he says, I'm sure there are about a billion people you'd rather be here with. And she says, not exactly. It's like really sweet moment, guys, but get it moving. <laughs> well, they have to wait for the eclipse. They can't get it moving physically. Oh, that's true. Like they've done everything they can. Unfortunately, they, there's nothing they could have done here. Yeah. Except move Kai's body a little further. But how could they have known? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says, all right, let's go. And then she gets cut off because she gets shot with an arrow. And she falls back with the Ascendant out of the circle of light. And so Kai is there with a crossbow. He says, forgetting someone. And they're like, no, we thought we killed you. And we thought you weren't really relevant anymore. (laughs) He says, did you really think I hadn't tried to kill myself before? Because I have. Lots of times, lots of ways. And this makes sense because a prison world would not be super effective if someone could kill himself and get out of it. Well, if you're by yourself for like 10 years, at a certain point, you're going to try. Yeah. Just to like move things along. Just to hopefully even find something else. Yeah. Kai points at the Ascendant and says, grab that and the next arrow goes in her heart. Your choice. Because he doesn't want either of them touching the Ascendant and leaving. And he's like, you know, I want to leave, but if I can't leave, then no one's leaving. Yeah. It's either all three of us, just me, or nobody. Yeah. (laughs) Damon vampire runs and pushes Kai against the wall. The Ascendant gets knocked aside. Mm Mm-hmm. Bonnie is crawling for it while Damon and Kai fight. We go back to the woods. Tyler is now trying CPR. Why didn't you start with that? Tyler, I understand that you don't want this guy to die. But based off what she said to you on the phone, don't you think she would have told you to do CPR if that was at all useful? Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, I know this is not what you want to hear, Tyler, but you're not saving this guy's life, especially because you don't have any vampire blood. Again, I'm a proponent of you should all have vampire blood in your pockets at all times, but it's season six and that's not something you guys are doing. Because at some point, someone's going to be on the brink of death and you're not going to have a vampire right around you. Unfortunately, vampires don't know where every ditch is in the world, okay? Yeah. Tyler says, come on, please. You got to live. Like, come on, you can't die. The guy's like, don't you think I don't want to die? The guy's like, stop fucking pounding on me. Let me die in peace. Yeah. (laughs) Liv says, okay, Tyler, stop. There's nothing you can do. And Tyler says, I killed him. And she says, no, you didn't. Well, I mean, he didn't yet, but he's a, he did. I mean, he did. Yeah. He's about to. <laughs> he says, yes, I did live. Everything I tried to do to keep me from this. And all it took is one guy running out into the road. Again, Tyler. We're texting and driving. Everything I've done to stop this. It's been three months. Again, it's not that hard to just not kill someone. And in these three months, mind you, the only thing you've done to stop this is just stopped binge drinking. Like, it's not like you've been making a ton of sacrifices. All of. Just don't hit somebody. Don't text and drive. That's. <laughs> and yeah, this guy shouldn't have run out into the road. But, it, you know, if you had been looking at the road, maybe you would have known it. It's also funny because, you know, not to get into technicalities and, you know, he was in a adrenaline heavy situation. The guy went to the road and Tyler like turned toward the guy. <laughs> you know, it was a split second decision. I understand that. But uh, you had quite a hand in this, Tyler. You're by no means faultless. Like, yeah, it's unfortunate that you hit this guy, but it's not like it was completely this guy's fault. Yeah. And I feel bad, but it's not like 
one guy ran into the road and and now I killed him because of him. And it's like, well, I, I know. <laughs> let's just let's just, you know, not blame the guy who's actively dying right next to you. You know, wait, wait like 24 hours for that, maybe. Yeah, wait until he's dead and then you can blame him. Yeah. And then Liv goes up to this guy and covers his mouth and holds his nose. And it's like, what? And at first I thought she was doing a spell to bring him back to life. No. I was misreading the situation. Calvin says, what are you doing? Stop. She keeps doing this. And the guy dies. And she says, you didn't kill him, Tyler. I did. She leaves. All this for a guy you haven't even kissed. All this for Tyler Lockwood? You committed murder? I've said this a million times before. Anyone who, when they're murdering someone, jumps to, like, smothering, drowning, suffocating... That is so unbelievably personal. Yeah. Just do a magic thing to snap his neck. Magically give him an aneurysm. You didn't need to like fucking choke him to death. Yeah. When he was already having a bad day, he was peacefully dying and then you smothered him. And then you made it unpeaceful. Give him a peaceful death. Like give him a stroke. It is just like, what? And Tyler says, you know what? I think I should tell you. I was texting. (laughs) I feel like I have to admit this now. Now that you killed him, I I do have to say I was I was really not taking accountability for my part in the accident. It wasn't all his fault. I was more to blame than I originally implied. This is one of the silliest texting driving PSAs within a teen drama. It's definitely more seamless than the one in Glee where Diana Agron had to get in a wheelchair for six months. But it is like, oh, wow, okay. It's like, okay, yeah, we shouldn't be texting and driving. Do you think this bodes well for this couple? Do you think this will bond them together or push them further apart? The unfortunate thing is I do think this will bond them together. Do I think that's the correct read on it? No. But these two, something's up with their heads. Yeah. I mean, I've gone in on Tyler enough because, again, why is it so easy for you to kill people? Like, why does that keep happening to you? Live. Why the suffocation? Why for Tyler? Why any of this? I mean, Luke is the only one fucking handling his life well. The question is just why. Yeah. And it's like, how did you two come together and make this a worse situation than it already was? And it was already a very bad situation. Yeah. We go back to the corn maze. Elena finds Liam. And she says, hey, the ambulances have arrived. Joe said to, like, let the paramedics take it from here. But Liam's with a girl, and he says, I don't think she can wait. She's, like, gasping. She can't breathe. And Elena says, her windpipe is, and Liam says, deviated is the medical term. Screwed is more like it. This poor girl, the guy's like, Liam says, either way, she's not getting enough air. And Elena says, Liam, I can help, because she's going to give her her blood is the plan. Liam says, okay, good. Stabilize her while I trach her. And Elena says... Have you ever done this before? And Liam says, I practiced on a grapefruit. It didn't end well. This girl's like, what? Me on the ground, I'd be freaking the fuck out. I'd be kicking. I would not let this guy near me. Yeah. Elena says, no, Liam, that's not what I meant. Like, I can actually, like, help. Elena goes to bite her wrist, but Liam, like, cuts in. He does it. And the woman starts breathing through the little thing he put in. I don't know the terms. Tube. He succeeds. And Elena says, it worked. You actually did it. And Liam says, don't sound so surprised. Elena is like dumbfounded. 
like she's so inspired by the fact that you can heal people without vampire blood and it's like girl you know a lot of people don't use vampire blood like every day every day people go to the hospital without it she smiles liam and elena stand and they are about to get in the car to go he lets elena in her seat he goes to walk to his seat and he spots the girl in the lady whitmore costume who he thought was at death's door and she is just like walking with her friends and you can see he clocks that and is suspicious yeah because he's like what the hell did she do because you know he's obnoxious but clearly he knows enough about medicine to understand when people are at death's door yeah (laughs) We go to the prison world. The eclipse has started. It's going. So it's happening. Damon and Kai continue to fight. Bonnie keeps going for the Ascendant. Kai gets a leg up on Damon. He gets like on top and is like pushing the arrow. Yeah, like kind of moving it around, twisting it, really scrambling the insides. Bonnie grabs the Ascendant and Damon says, Bonnie, get us out of here. And Bonnie says, I'm not going to make it, but you are. And she does a spell. She says Modus. She tosses Kai off of Damon, pulls Damon into the circle of light, and she tosses the Ascendant into Damon's hand. And he says, no, but it works. He disappears. And then the Ascendant falls to the ground and breaks into pieces. Mm -hmm. Kai is not happy about that, but Bonnie is relieved. And she just falls and relaxes. Mind you, she has been stabbed in the stomach. Do you think Bonnie's going to be okay? Yeah, she's going to be fine. And all the pieces are there. These two are coming out shortly. Not a couple episodes at least, but they'll be out. Do you think Bonnie and Kai will get out of the prison world together? And if so, what episode will that be? And if not, then what different episodes? I think they will get out together because I think once Bonnie's out, Kai can't get out. And I don't foresee a world in which she would send Kai out by himself. And although, you know, Kai has heard this spell now, so maybe he could siphon the magic. I doubt that. I think he still needs... Bonnie doing the spell because it's a Bennett spell. Mm-hmm. Bennett spells often require a Bennett to do them. Exactly. So I think Bonnie kind of needs to be there to get Kai out. And I don't think Kai is going to let her leave without him. Mm-hmm. But I think we're looking at episode eight or nine for them getting out. Because I think we need to do some learning about Kai's relationship with his family. And I think having those two together by themselves is more opportunity for like which conversations, etc. Do you think they're going to bond? Yeah. Do you think that she'll eventually like get on his side? Yeah, I think she'll be okay letting him out of the prison world. Like, I don't think he's going to have to sneak in. Mm -hmm. Because you think whatever he tells her will be putting him in a more positive light, likely, and that he will be telling the truth. I think there's a more positive spin to this killing his family thing. (laughs) I guess we'll see. (laughs) It's actually a good thing he killed all his siblings. Yeah, it's actually a good thing he killed a bunch of little kids who were his siblings. I can't wait to see how. You never know. We go to the hospital. Joe is sitting on an exam table, all bandaged up. And Alaric approaches. He says, hey, girl, how you feeling? And she says, you really want to know? I'm so hopped up on pain meds, and I'm just obnoxious enough to tell you. And he says, okay, I'll take my chances. What do you got to say? And she says, I think you're great. You're brave, funny, not to mention maybe the most attractive man I've ever seen. Yeah, she's like, look, I've been working in a hospital with like young volunteers. I just needed someone else. She said, you are so hot. (laughs) She says, and I feel completely comfortable telling you this because I'm old enough to know what I want. And call me crazy, but I think I was meant to know you. And then she pauses and she says, okay, this is the part where you say something or kiss me or run for the hills. He says, oh, I think you are amazing, brilliant, 
and one of the sexiest women I have ever met. And I would love to believe that you and I were meant to be because I'd love to believe there's a plan for me other than this life I'm living right now. But, and then he starts compelling her. Yeah, it's like, I, I could see this compulsion coming a mile away. Yeah, I said, oh, here you go. <laughs> here you go with this. He says, tonight was a disaster. You thought I was boring, a borderline alcoholic. And because you don't know me, not the real me anyway, you don't want to kiss me. And you absolutely want me to run for the hills. And at first it looks like it worked. She says, you're right. Tonight was a literal disaster. And you're definitely an alcoholic. But then she kisses him. Even though he specifically compelled her, you don't want to kiss me. Mm -hmm. And she says, but you're far from boring, Rick. She goes and he's shook. So it appears from where we're sitting that this compulsion didn't take. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is going on here? That she's on Vervain? So there are two options here. Okay. One is that she's on Vervain, mm -hmm. which, you know, we know that this vampire news has moved around Whitmore. And if the family thing is true and it is connected to vampires, that's part of it. The other thing I'll throw out, and I, I do think it's more likely she's on Vervain. I'll say that. But the other thing I'll throw out, we know that we're going to be in this situation where Elena has to deal with all her memories of Damon compelled away. I don't think Alert can just compel those back in. I've said this before. So I do think there's a level of like, love has to help overcome that compulsion that's going to be at play. And so this could be kind of the first step of that, of like strong feelings could overcome some compulsion or that, you know, maybe Alert's just not that good at compulsion. <laughs> I don't think that's really a thing that happens, but I just want to throw that out of like, this kind of strong feelings compulsion, I think is going to come up later. So you think basically she overcame this compulsion because he's so hot and sexy and she wants to date him? I'm just throwing out the possibility. I think it's more likely she's on for vain. Is there precedent for that? Bill Forbes. For overcoming compulsion. Okay, great. Yeah. That's all I wanted to ask. Strong enough feelings can do it. Or that Bill Forbes, you know, kind of trained himself to overcome compulsion. This may be some of her family just training to beat that kind of thing. Do you think she knows about vampires? Eileen, no. You think maybe she's like being given Vervain, like, but she doesn't know she's being given Vervain. Like maybe she has a jewelry piece. Or that like there's Vervain in her system from some other reason. I like, I think it's more likely a jewelry piece that's like handed down through the family rather than her drinking it. If she doesn't know, I like Eileen that she doesn't know about vampires, but that doesn't mean she doesn't. It could also be that she's like, aware that vampires exist, but think it's like so far out of the realm of possibility for things that like, it's not a concern she's had because Alurk is hiding it well, but if she definitely knew about vampires, she might've caught some clues, you know? My main thing I'm asking is that knowing that this compulsion doesn't seem to have taken, mm -hmm. do you think she knows that he tried to compel her? Or do you think she just thinks he said this? Because the way he's talking doesn't like outright sound like compulsion but do you think she knows to look for the signs like bill forbes knew when they were trying to compel him yeah i don't think she knows he was compelling her i think she thought this was like him being like oh you know i'm just like working through my own shit whatever like i don't okay. think she clocked this as a compulsion attempt so you think likely she just has vervain somehow and yeah. she doesn't know okay or maybe that there is some other form of like not supernatural creature necessarily but there is some like medical or genetic way to be like resistant to compulsion i'll just throw that out because she's a doctor it's a medical genetic way like a medicine you can take no or like like more genetic more genetic that like her family is resistant to compulsion like her family was like bred in such a way to like somewhere in her family like they bred people to be like no vampires compelling us or not bred but like 
it just happened. Like it was a recessive gene and it popped out. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they were artificially breeding. I was just asking. You said it was a gene. How else can you guarantee the gene? Well, I don't think anyone was guaranteeing the gene. Things just get mutated and then it passes down or it doesn't. And it may not be selected for because like if people don't run into vampires, this gene is irrelevant. Because famously, most things on the Vampire Diaries always come back to some scientific background. I have to throw it out for the doctor character. Okay. We go out to the road. Ivy is on the phone and says, where are you? I've been standing here for a hundred years. And Caroline says, don't exaggerate. I'm almost there. Caroline says, calm the fuck down. Ivy hangs up the phone. She turns and she sees two headlights approaching. So stupidly, she assumes it's Caroline. Mm -hmm. She waves it down. Uh, Mind you, she's covered in blood. But it's a big ass van. And then in case we couldn't figure it out, we see it's Trip, And he says, need any help? And it's like, okay, here we go with this. And she doesn't know who Trip is, but she does know that's not Caroline. So she just doesn't want to engage with a human because she's worried about killing people right now. So she turns away and starts to walk. And Trip gets out and says, I heard about the big campus accident on my scanner. Who gives you a scanner? Well, you can just get a police scanner. But people who listen to police scanners are fucking losers. Yeah. I mean, we know this about Trip. Yeah. But of course he has a scanner in his like van. Yeah. He says, sounds like people got hurt or something. And Ivy says, I'm fine. And he mansplains to her. He says, actually, you're bleeding. You might be in shock. She's like, I'm not bleeding. There's blood on me. I'm not bleeding, though. She says, please just go. And he says, oh, I don't think. And then she turns, flashes her veins and goes to bite him. Unfortunately, wrong guy to bite. He shoots her with a couple of her vein darts. She passes out in his arms. And he says, okay, there we go. And he drags her to the back of his van. Mm -hmm. From a distance, Caroline sees this happen, but she stays back. Yeah, because she's like, "Mm, there's nothing I can do at this point. Yeah. So how do you think this is going to go for Ivy? Do you think she's going to survive? Well, so the way that Trip picked the worst person to kidnap with Enzo, he picked the best one to kidnap with Ivy, because I don't believe she can stand to torture. And there's a loyalty with Enzo and like Stefan, Elena, Caroline. Ivy has no loyalty to these people. She is definitely going to snitch. Do you think he will question her and ask questions? Or do you think he's going to go straight to killing her? I think he'll question her first. He might as well have multiple vampires to fill up his van when he's doing this. Um, now, that being said, I do think Enzo's going to get out. I do think Ivy may be at death's door. And it may be that, you know, he tries to question her, but she just can't control the bloodlust. And... It's just, it's not productive to keep her. So either way, Ivy's not making it out of this, but she may throw some people under the bus on the way out. Do you think he will detain Ivy separate from or with Enzo? I think with, because I don't think he really has a lot of space to split them up necessarily. Do you think Trip knows that these two might know each other? And do you think he will leave them to maybe get their stories straight before he tortures them? Do you think Enzo will have an opportunity to control the narrative with Ivy a little bit? I think if Trip were smart, he wouldn't. Because I think it's not a crazy jump that another vampire outside Mystic Falls might know them. I don't know if Trip is as well prepared for this as he should be. Because even though Ivy is kind of an easy target, Enzo knows how to make an alliance while he's captive. Yeah. So even if they're not next to each other, I think Enzo could get around this. I think it depends how well Trip is planning, but it is middle of the night. I think Trip is more likely going to lock her up and come deal with her later. We know that Caroline saw Ivy get kidnapped. Caroline at this point does not know that Enzo's been kidnapped. And Ivy is kind of a thorn in Caroline's side. 
do you think Caroline is even going to tell Stefan Ivy got kidnapped? Or do you think this is going to be like, well, you stuck me with this girl. Fuck you. I'm going to let her die. I think she'll tell someone about this because I don't think she would just let someone die. But I think also because Stefan at the end of this episode, after getting Damon back, will be more ready to build his life up and he'll be able to more efficiently like talk to people. And so I think this news will get to him and then Stefan will be like, oh, well, I do have some bad news about um, what else may be happening there because Damon didn't get to save Enzo from captivity before. It's his time to do it. Great. We go over to the Whitmore dorm. Liam is walking Elena back to her room. The end of the date. Great date. <laughs> Ooh, sparks were flying. Yeah, romance is in the air. Liam decides he can't let this one thing go. So he says, so that girl, dressed like Lady Whitmore, I was about to give up on her, and you were able to save her. How? She's like, guess you're just a worse doctor than me. Elena says, I don't know. Beginner's luck? What kind of fucking? <laughs> this is the worst lie. Because here's what I do if I'm Elena. I say, honestly, I waited there, an EMT helped her. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I waited there. I held pressure on her wound. I told someone else who was doing better. They held the pressure for me and I went and helped someone else. And I yeah. guess an EMT must have got to her. Just get yourself out of this because what do you mean beginner's luck? There are very few things we know about Liam, but what we know about him is that he's very driven by logic, obviously. Yeah. And he finds answers to things. Why do you think beginner's luck is going to work with him? Yeah. Beginner's luck for saving a dying person. She's so used to like, being hot and people just believing what she says. And it's like, no, that girl was deeply injured. And I know she doesn't really want to compel people because with the border situation, like he's ever going to go to Mystic Falls, but she should just compel him. Like, forget about that. Anyway, he says, Elena, she should have died. And Elena says, and she didn't. There are crazy and mysterious things in the world. Some things science can't explain. It's really dwell in the ecstasy of life. <laughs> it's like, be positive and anything can happen. You know, if you think about positive things, positive things come to you. It's the secret. Have you ever read that? But he doesn't get this. He says, name one thing that science can't explain. <laughs> and I don't know why she picks a really obviously scientifically driven thing. Pick something not about medicine that he maybe won't know. Why do babies laugh in the sun? That one's also easy, but at least it's a little vaguer that there's not a direct answer. Or say, why did Jesus walk on water? Make him think you're a weird religious girl. Yeah. Or like, why do we fall in love? Yes. I mean, do something that just has no answer. Why do fools fall in love? <laughs> but no, she says, why does a baby take its first breath? And he says, reflex there's fluid in newborn lungs and she says i'm not listening to this he says that's obviously science-based and instead of continuing this conversation because she's clearly failing at it it's getting away from her fast she just kisses him which i would say girl but it does actually work for the moment i mean this isn't the worst plan you know it's definitely not a long-term fix but it it buys her time it's certainly not as good as just compelling him I would have done it differently, but given the way she's already messed it up, this is kind of the best move she had left. Yeah. He says, I thought kissing me was a fate worse than death. Who the hell said that? What the fuck? Okay, William Shakespeare. What is he ever saying? I know. Why does he talk like that? 
It's like he found a post on Reddit that was like cool things to say to girls. And that's just the only way he talks. And it seems to be working. So, yeah. Elena says, you asked me what my type is. You were a hero tonight. An absolutely jaw-dropping, out-of-this-world hero. That's my type. She's so corny. One thing about her, someone saves one person's life, and she's, like, on her knees, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> she's ready. She said, that's the love of my life. We go over to Skullbur, where Liv is cleaning up. There's a big party tonight. No one's here. She had to go to work after murdering a man. <laughs> yeah. And so she's crying, of course. The door opens, and she says, we're closed. It's Tyler, and he says, hey, I talked to Elena. And she says, still closed. She's like, great, that's the thing I was most concerned about. Yeah. Tyler says, she said that everyone else lived. So he's not a werewolf right now. He ran through a whole crowd of people, and like he happened to not trigger the curse. He has to respect that that is insane luck. He has to learn something from this. Yeah. You know, maybe Uber for now. That's the lesson I take. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't drive. Or maybe I should look at the road. Tyler says, you don't want to talk about what happened? And she says, I've got nothing to say. I wouldn't want to talk about it either. Yeah. (laughs) He says, Liv, you killed someone tonight. You can't just pretend it didn't happen. She says, watch me. She said, I absolutely can. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly going to try. Tyler says, Liv. He gets close to her and he says, he was dead. There was nothing you could have done to save him. So you saved me instead. You saved me, and I can never repay you for that. All I can do is promise you, I won't waste it. Oh my God, I wasn't listening to any of this. How long do you think until he does waste it? Over under on when he does trigger the werewolf curse. I mean, two episodes. I mean, it's definitely before, I would say the absolute last, the latest that it can possibly happen is like episode 15. You think he's going to be a werewolf before the season is out, way before the season's out. Way before the season's out. Like, and I think 15 is even like goofy for us. That would be if so much stuff happens that we like can't touch that yet. Like it's coming so soon. Fair enough. Considering how easy it is for him to just get in this situation. Although at least he doesn't have a car now. He totaled that. I know we're not going to see him like detained for causing this like massive accident. But at a certain point, it's like, Campus PD should probably take care of you. Like, at the very least, your license should be suspended, and you should probably be expelled. At the end of the day, one person did end up dead. And yes, technically, Liv did it. But you know who's going to get blamed? The guy who hit him. It's like, I know there are not going to be any consequences for that. Most of the time, that doesn't bother me because it's like a vampire show, whatever, things get hidden. Yeah. You drove a car into a homecoming celebration, and a guy died. And you're just going to go back to college. It's just a little goofy. Yeah. And I know that, like, do we really want to get in the plot line of, like, Tyler going to criminal court? No. Obviously, we're not touching that. But it's a little, like, okay. This time, someone should get in bigger trouble. I'm suspending a lot of disbelief here. Like, Tyler's really relaxed about the fact that he did, for all intents and purposes, kill someone tonight. Yeah. You didn't, like, smother him. But if someone hadn't smothered him, he would have died. You did kill him. And you did just sit there and watch it happen. And, you know, I know that there are different stakes with him killing someone. But it's like, as soon as the werewolf thing is off the table, he's like, well, I guess I'm good. Like, it's (laughs) still bad to kill someone. Just because you avoided that consequence doesn't mean you didn't kill a guy. You should have trouble sleeping tonight. You should be crying the way Liv is. 
Yeah. I know we're not going to get into all that, but I have to say it. <laughs> we go over to the Salvatore Mausoleum. Stefan arrives with some bourbon. Uh, he's finally ready to process his emotions. He says, yep, this is happening. He said, well, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm going to talk out loud to a crypt filled with my dead family. Everyone but you, Damon, because wherever you are, it's not here. And he sits down and he says, I got to say, I'm not doing so great without you. The understatement of the century. I keep trying to start over, but I can't get anywhere because I'm lost, brother. I'm lost. And this is, I mean, Paul Wesley Emmy when he is acting his little butt off. This is a sad ass scene. Stefan is suffering. Yeah, I've been like shitting on him all episode and I'm like already so sad. I'm like crying. It's like he doesn't deserve this. Because you know what? At least he is recognizing what a hard time he's going through and what it meant when he lost his brother. Mm -hmm. Like he's facing it. He's finally facing his emotions and he gets even luckier. Yeah. He throws the bottle because he's going to break it, but a hand catches it and we see it's Damon, which is good to see him because at this point we saw him go up into the portal and we were just kind of hoping he ended up back where we want him to and he did. And so it appears that they respawn where they like were sent to the prison world because this is where he famously didn't come back to life. Damon says... What, I'm gone a couple months? You think it's okay to waste a perfectly good bottle of bourbon? And Stefan, like, does not believe this is real. Because Stefan thinks he's just hallucinating that he opened up the feelings and he's like, well, I've really lost it, evidently, because now I'm doing what Elena did. I'm picturing Damon. Are there leftover drugs in here that I'm breathing in? Like, yeah, there's no reason to believe this is real. Stefan says Damon, and Damon says, yep, in the flesh. And Stefan says, how can I see you right now? Damon says, because I'm not dead, Stefan. I mean, this stuff is good, but it's not I see dead people good. It's a hell of a long story, but I'm back. And Stefan walks up, he cries, and he touches Damon's arm to like check that he's real. And Damon says, yeah. And then they hug and they cry and the brothers are reunited and it's sad and beautiful and emotional. And oh, Stefan needed that hug. He really did. You can see him gripping. <laughs> they both needed a hug, honestly. Stefan needed it more. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where we end the episode. So the first question is the state of the prison world. Given what Damon knows, do you think Damon thinks Bonnie and Kai are coming out? I think he probably will remain optimistic, but I think he he would assume the odds are bad that they mm -hmm. could come out. I think he would probably be on the side that like, if they're going to come out, like he would need to do something on this plane. Yeah. Do you think he's going to tell everyone everything he knows about the prison world? Do you think he's going to be selective? Like, what do you think he's going to tell everybody? You know, I think he has a lot of personal things to deal with with Elena. So I don't think she's necessarily going to get this information. But I think particularly Alaric is going to get a lot of this information. Because I do think Damon will probably want to get Bonnie out some way. At least see if he can. And so I do think he'll want to talk to Alaric, who did some research, probably Caroline, because she's been doing some research. And he has some information to fill in some of their blanks, perhaps. Yeah, because now they know that this Gemini Coven lead is potentially a real lead. He knows some information about the Gemini Coven. He knows at least one place where to start. Kai, to look that up, who that is, etc. So I do think he will kind of be on that path. And I think Enzo will also be helpful when he inevitably gets out of captivity. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a dream team is kind of the dream team it's been. I think Stefan has some like kind of interpersonal bridges to rebuild. 
that he'll definitely help with this, but I think he has to kind of face how he treated people while he was trying to start over. And I think Elena is going to take some time, push off the Damon memories. So that's my second question. What's going to happen with Damon and Elena? Now that Damon is back, do you think Elena is going to be like, oh, I can get my memories back? I don't think necessarily because I think she's still in this memory belief that like he's a serial killer. And though she understands that she was in love with him, she's probably like, wow, I was out of my mind thinking that I would be in love with this person because she just doesn't have the context for it. And she like has her little love interest, which obviously is not remotely close to Damon, but she doesn't know that right now. So I think she will push it off for a little bit, or even if she wants to get it back, I think she'll be like, okay, let's bring some memories back and just compelling them back won't really work. And so then she'll be like, well, I guess I got to move forward with my life in this way. And Damon will have to fight to get her memories back, essentially. Yes or no question. Do you think Elena will get her memories back? Yes. In general. Yes. But not by alert, just saying, remember that. When do you think she's getting her memories back? What episode number, if you had to pick one? Eight, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. It's only a few episodes. Yeah, I think it's only a few episodes, but I do think we've got to have a couple, like a little bit of time for Elena to be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. But I just think Damon will be fighting for it. Hard. Yeah, so what else does he have to do? And also, you know, I never actually think about these when I'm making guesses, but we know this is the grieving chapter and the grieving chapter, I guess the grieving, <laughs> Elena's grieving chapter is over. Yeah. <laughs> without the memories. We don't know when the grieving chapter ends. I'm certainly not going to tell you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would guess that when her memories come back, the grieving chapter ends. So that's sooner because I, you know. We're in episode five, you assume. Yeah. yeah. That, I, that we have to move into a new chapter at some point, And I don't think this chapter will end until the memories are back. Okay. Which is kind of a number of reaches, but it's what I'm going with. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying The Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. Bye.